0: If price is out of whack, demand goes down. And someone was like, okay, well, hey, multiple people actually do this. They were like, well, you know, price is part of demand. And I'm like, no, it's not part of demand because you're telling me that supply and demand influence the market. And we have some data coming up, which will talk about more supply coming online and demand has come down, but mortgage rates haven't driven up super high. Now, what's gonna happen when mortgage rates drive up higher? Values have to come down because people won't be able to afford those payments at high prices and high rates. Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high resolution audio. This isn't a different standard, it's the higher standard.
1: Go ahead, Mr. Sass. It's on. It's
0: already recording. I know that. We wait for him to. This is how Fucking we... villain. I love Fucking you. I love, yeah. you. I, I love you. Oh, look at that. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. Yeah, it's insulting. I love you. Very patronizing. Terrible way to start the show. Everybody who just listens is like tuned in right now. It's like, what is that guy doing? It says, "I love you." No, and I get the hand gesture that most people can't see.
1: They can see. It. Come to the YouTube channel.
0: All right. Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world.
1: Welcome back, everybody.
0: Despite that awkward start,
1: that's who we are. Yeah, that is who we are. Who
0: we're supposed to be, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will admit I am feeling very much under the weather, so you might get a little bit of a, a different sound out of me today. Lots of uh, nasal and all that congestion, so uh, it's not because I'm drunk. I promise. <laughs> and if I was, I'd be drinking more, so you would know. Right. Sigh, uh, so I and I've been having multiple conversations with the rune about this whole Titanic uh, catastrophe that has been all over the news, and we thought. Despite that we're a financial literacy podcast, we would address some of the things that we thought we'd feel, we feel, we've heard, uh, before we start the show. Yeah. After that, of course, we'll jump into the typical stuff. Uh, Jerome Powell, <laughs> he expects more fe- uh, Fed rate hikes.
1: Back at it again.
0: Does some very contradictory things, however, which Saeed will note for us all. Yeah, he was in front of the House and the Senate this week. Now, I will admit, I openly hate uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. She does blame a lot of people, and she likes to look in hindsight with this 2020 clear vision. But sometimes she presses people in a way that actually gets them to say stuff. Now, I'm not going to say the way she acts is good. Right. I'm not going to say I'm a fan of hers. Right. But sometimes the pressure that she exerts on people in public settings, like Jerome Powell, who was in front of Congress, can get you some interesting answers. And I think we got a video which highlights
2: that. Very uncomfortable. Very very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. She is
3: aggressive.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she married?
0: She's gotta do that at home, right? Has to. Yeah. Why didn't you take out the trash, Saeed? Why didn't you mop the floors, Chris? I know I told you before you left. Are you not
1: accepting responsibility for not taking out the trash? What time did you get home today? How long has it been since you've been home?
0: I don't I don't I don't know.
1: What did you do from now until then? I I um
0: i'm not accepting responsibility i'm I'm trying to move forward okay (laughs) (laughs) that's a direct quote everybody we're going to talk about jobless claims its highest level since october 2021 interest rates we're going to talk about the interplay between that and home values there's been some interesting charts we have to show you Mm -hmm. uh one of which i think will show you the year over year price declines which remember a few shows back we told everybody don't celebrate this two months of, of subtle price growth yes And now we've seen the data come out as to why we said that. But there's a chart in that same article, which I think is more indicative of what we should all be looking at to see the next signs of impacts to the housing market. And spoiler alert, it's not really price. It's not really supply and demand. It's about transactions and volume of transactions. Yes. And I got a chart, which I think will break that down very well.
1: All the charts. But where are you going to go to see that chart?
0: You're going to go to a number of different places. First and foremost, you want to go to YouTube. Mm-hmm. You want to go to YouTube, look around this sexy, well-built channel. It's so good, you know. And and you want to admire the chapters, the time, the, the th- energy, the chapters, the 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 quotes, the cards that that Arun so lovingly and painstakingly stamps during the show for you to enjoy. He's been he's been doing a really good job. He really has.
2: He really has. Thank you, boys.
0: Arun, uh, when I was up at four o'clock in the morning last night because I couldn't sleep, I felt like ass. I was all like, oh, I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to timestamp everything. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that they were all there, and I'm like,
1: I love them. love grew from a little bit. I, I love them I yeah. so much.
0: Right. But it saved me a tremendous amount of time, so thank you for that. Uh, and then if there's time, we'll wrap up the show talking about existing home sales unexpectedly approved in May amid multifamily gains, which is a bit of a, kind of a wrap-up of everything else that we're going to be talking about leading up in that.
1: Yeah. But before we go there,
0: man. There's um, no
1: way we can not address this
0: yeah let let's be clear up front. this whole submersible you know tour of five people, they lost their lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is incredibly tragic. There are no jokes that I think should be made, but social media is like wildfire with just fucked up comments
1: there I mean the internet is ruthless, ruthless. and I think
0: I was talking to somebody casually uh, today, and they asked me why I thought social media was so carefree, and I said, well they're hiding behind usernames right not the real names they're not in a real conversation right and they're trying to make quippy comments but I think people it comes down to and I'll use myself as a proxy people don't there are people who just don't like bankers you're a banker you're you're running a Ponzi scheme or you're part of the Illuminati like I hate you yeah like, I'm a crypto guy fiat currency is the devil you're you're supporting that ecosystem you're the
1: devil when do you feel when do you think that um, stigma really started to gain traction about bankers was it it was it, That had to have been before the, 08, uh, the Great Recession. Right?
0: Well, similarly to this, I think there's always been a natural disdain for the wealthy. I think that there's a bit of the FOMO almost on some level. Mm-hmm. And I by no means think that I am wealthy because I know above me is such a massive cliff of, of way more wealth than I've ever experienced. Yeah. So I think it's all relative, frankly. Like the perception of wealth is kind of a weird thing. mm mm-hmm. The room wants us to comment. Mention today's date. Today is June twenty second,
2: Thursday, and how
0: the show will be live on Tuesday, five days after the news breaking today. Right.
1: You're welcome. I, I mean, know. this has been in the news now for a couple of days, but so this may yeah. be stale. Yeah. By the time the
0: audience hears it, it'll be five days. Well, later. I mean, we'll know what happened, but there are parts of it that I don't think are ever going to be stale. Like I, I think we've gotten so desensitized as society. To answer your question, there's actually a whole conspiracy theory on the Titanic. So the Titanic sailed right about the time that some of the wealthiest families in the U.S. government were talking about implementing a central bank. Mm-hmm. The wealthiest man in the world and two other very, very wealthy individuals were on the Titanic. And what, How did they gain their wealth? One of them was, I believe, real estate. Well, it was mortgages, right? Mortgages. He owned 40% of the mortgages in the United
1: States. That's right. One person owned 40% of the mortgages.
0: Yeah, he was wealthier than the J.P. Morgan and the Vanderbilt's and the Rothschild's. Now, the Vanderbilt's, the Rothschild's, and J.P. Morgan all preferred the idea of a central bank. Yes. But the three other individuals and several of the people that were on the Titanic did not. And they were very vocal about
1: not wanting this. And the conspiracy theory went on to say that those individuals, the other uh, wealthy individuals, were supposed to be. Not supposed to be. They
0: all had tickets. Yeah. The J.P. Morgan, the Rothschild's, the Vanderbilt's, they all had tickets to go on the same... Titanic cruise, but none of them showed up. Yes. But this everybody who supported the idea of a central bank did show up. They, the Titanic goes down, the government, US government forms a central bank, JP Morgan goes on to be the biggest bank in the world.
1: I mean, it's really hard to fact check this too.
0: It's impossible to fact check it, and I mean, every if, time if you
1: look at like for instance, if we're going down this uh, conspiratorial yeah. rabbit hole, you look at a guy like Bob Lazar Lazar, ah, interesting choice who, who claims to have worked at area 51 or the other version that's like down the street i gotta tell you i've been a
0: quiet like ufo fanboy
2: mm-hmm.
0: for probably the greater portion of my life right when i would drive back from usc at night back mm-hmm. home yeah like after a long day of classics since i didn't live there i would notoriously listen to k kfi am 640. Mm-hmm and uh bob lazar was often spoke about and it was george knapp who works with jeremy corbell right and george knapp took the place of another guy who was an older gentleman who was retired i think years and years and years ago mm-hmm. but that's all he's talking about tonight on an
1: am radio show right and he, you look at his story his entire identity is wiped. all the places he claims to have gone to school there's no traction or n- there's no record of it well you know so so Jeremy Corbell
0: dug into Bob Lazar. Have you ever seen the Netflix documentary?
1: I saw the Netflix documentary and
0: the, the deep
1: dive, like multiple. There girls. are photos of him there. Right, right, and and he actually describes facilities and how they how they were, and it like checks out to the T. You and you I only don't know that this
0: guy, bro. I'm, 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 I can't. I want to be the. I want to do the nice thing for you right now. What do I do? Yes, I'm in the bottom of you. Oh, you do it. You use your phone, take the camera, turn it, flip it towards you. Come on, it's, man! It's, it's right there in the middle, bro. You you I'm, you take me later.
2: Bro, you waited ten minutes to tell me? No, saw, I, I, I it, just it saw before, it now. It
0: before, you saw it before the show. No, Come I on, just don't. saw it now. I would, <laughs> I would tell you before the show started. I would tell you before the show started. I just, I couldn't let you go the whole show. Okay,
1: okay. But Bob Lazar, his whole identity and every every record of him being anywhere has been wiped. Yeah, the government. The government and and look. So, so like, it's hard. My point in bringing him up is, if you wanted to fact check him, you couldn't because if. History is wiped, and there's nothing you can do. Right? Well, it completely discredits.
0: Yeah, and and that that's that's the problem of not having information and the internet and a lot of the access that we have now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you have the access that you have now, you can get news like this. And this is uh this is an article I saw. Or not? Uh, it's ABC News, and I saw mm-hmm. this interview of James Cameron. I didn't know this, but James Cameron, how many times do you think he went down and saw the Titanic? I don't know. I thirty-three.
2: Oh shit! Sure.
0: You went down thirty-three
1: times. This. It's Wait. Cool. He talks about it. What do you mean by like, going down? So, I thought it was impossible to go down to the Titanic. That's not the case? No, no, no. no. That's, that's what these guys were doing. What are you talking about? No. They were trying to do, right? No, no, no. no. They, they've gone down there before. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: the reason why this submersible was so, I guess, sensational. Okay. Was this is the only one that's never gone through the voluntary tests to make sure you have safety protocols there. And there's some very why, key... Why would anybody do that, though? Because he was, so the guy who ran the business, CEO who passed away, he was on this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was kind of an outlier. He, he built a, a hull made out of composite material, like carbon fiber, Hold and surrounded by titanium.
1: I wouldn't, I mean, th- I would never get on a plane because it didn't pass any involuntary tests, well, let alone a submersive. This is a very, so and James
0: Cameron in, in the same news report goes on to talk about he designed his own submersible. Mm. to go down there. And then he also went with the Russian team that's now, I think, retired. 33 times he went down there and came back up. But they had protocols in place that were stunning. Like, he had... They would never go down with one submersible. They would go down with two. And this was
1: before the, the movie, the Titanic?
0: This is how he got, like, familiar with Titanic and got clips and got interested in it.
1: And yeah.
0: I, I didn't know any of this. Before. Oh, yeah. So, when the Titanic movie was made, mm-hmm. he spent years studying... The actual wreckage of the Titanic, the history—it
1: makes the movie that much better. Wow. And
0: well, that's 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 how that's who he is. That's yeah. how eccentric he is. With so like Avatar and all that stuff, he spends years like right, doing right. all this. I know that they're
1: ten years in the making, right? Yeah,
0: he, he's he's a really bizarre, dude. But I mean, you got to have a weird like obsession to be able to do it the way he's doing. It. But he makes interesting points. He's like, look, if they they should have had a, a machine which dispels carbon dioxide in there. Mm-hmm. So if you get stuck in the thing and you guys are breathing, you have an oxygen supply. The carbon dioxide buildup is what kills you. Yes, you should have had a machine which dispels it. They didn't have that. You know, uh, he goes on to cite like a million and one different things, which is really interesting. But
3: mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah, so that that submersible right there, I think, is part one that he helped build,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's got a composite hull, and it's composite meaning plastic acrylic, right? right? And it allows them to go down deeper, just like see how see much of a viewfinder that there is there.
1: Yeah, and and the viewfinder that. apparently supposed to have was how big
0: it was tiny and it wasn't even built for the depths that it was going to. so i mean play the clip play the clip it's really fascinating to see what he has to say about this given that he's been 33 times he's been down there right successfully go ahead and play speaking of james cameron another person closely familiar with the titanic is the director james cameron himself uh, along with his oscar-winning movie um Mr. Cameron, I understand
4: you've made a number of dives to the wreckage site too. Just give us your sense on what you're feeling right now, looking at these images of the shipwreck that you studied so closely, and now hearing that another tragedy has been tied
0: to the same area.
5: Well, I've been down there many times. and I know the wreck site very well, as, as does my friend uh, Bob Ballard. I've been made 33 dives. I actually calculated that I've spent more time on the ship than the captain did back in the day. Um, and of course, uh, you know, as a submersible designer myself, I designed and built a sub to go to the deepest place in the ocean, three times deeper than Titanic. So I understand the the engineering problems associated with with building this type of type of vehicle and all the safety protocols that you have to go through. And uh, I think the, that what Bob said because I was watching uh is absolutely critical for people to to really get the 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 take home message from this from from our effort here is s- deep submergence diving is a mature art from the early 60s where there were you know a few accidents nobody was killed in the in the deep submergence until now is more time than between kitty hawk so here is what i'll say is
0: that there, there's an interesting part of this that he doesn't really talk about in this interview that I think is worthwhile to note. If there's a slight indention in the whole of this thing...
1: You were mentioning to me earlier today the size of a nickel.
0: Yeah. if That's how small it is. And that's the, the infrastructure is so fragile that thing can collapse. So they've already got uh, a little bit of information that they've been able to recover from this. Number one... Apparently the Navy had sound detecting equipment in the waters, but they didn't want foreign countries to know their capabilities. When the stints come out that they heard some type of implosion shortly after they lost contact. Wow. So the odds are this thing imploded. Now there's also some evidence to suggest that they were trying to get back up and they released their, their weights and were trying to get back up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But good or bad as it may be, the implosion of this thing was interesting. It was really fascinating to, to read about. And I spend a lot of time going down the rabbit hole. It's, the it's like 32 tons of pressure,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that thing effectively would smash together flat. I mean, there's no amount of resistance in the world that would prevent that from happening. Yeah, if there's anything to take solace in, I think these guys probably died instantly. Right, it was sudden. It was, it was sudden. Now, though what sucks is this thing had hull detection information, so there's sensors on the hull to let it know when it's deteriorating.
1: So it was going it may have been going off so
0: they it may have been going off they may have dropped the weights may have oh, been trying to get hope, up let's just hope not and then it it smashed and, and that's what happened
1: somebody at the office was telling me that it had gone offline for about eight hours at some point whether that was before the implosion or or not i mean before, eight hours before they told anybody it went missing
0: well any, any hours before they told anybody but the the navy was alerted like the second they went out of contact and the navy had told them well before the, that eight hour period, that we heard something, but but it wasn't like a public thing they could talk about. Aye, aye, aye. so yeah, I mean that, that that's that's what's coming out at least at this point. And he goes on to talk about it. He James Cameron goes on to talk about how he knew.
1: That's terrible.
0: Yeah, he went on to say that he was
1: notified, of it, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So everybody's been talking about it. I, I think it's really tragic, and and I, I didn't want to like start the show and not acknowledge that that's kind of taking over the zeitgeist right now. That's
1: all anyone could talk about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm fascinated by it. In my mind, I think this is dan- more dangerous than, than space travel.
1: I mean, there's so much unknown, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, there's no light down there. There's no way to communicate down there. there there's no... I, don't,
1: I personally don't see the draw.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. So if you, if you could only look through a window,
2: mm-hmm.
0: have a tiny, tiny, tiny window. And apparently they had a screen as well. They have a screen inside that you can look at the cameras. Why not just get a nice yacht? You guys are all billionaires. They probably have one. Go up to the top of the water, right? Right. Stay in your yacht, and then you take, you switch taking turns of control of a drone underwater, right? Which may or may not be able to reach down there. I mean, I get that there's... I'd rather try that though, right? And I mean, it's. It'd be, safer.
1: That'd be, be kind of cool, right? Yeah.
0: Find a little drone in the ocean. But you can see like, where it's going. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know why you would physically want to go down there, and it seems it seems kind of crazy. And I think that's where all the jokes going from. Yeah. It's
1: unfortunate, man. Well, what else is unfortunate? Boy Powell in front of the House and the Senate this week, doubling down. Yeah, yeah you know, I didn't.
0: I've been so busy in the office lately that I hadn't, I hadn't even kept up. I didn't know he was going to do this, and then I saw this pop up on television, mm-hmm. and I was stunned. Right, and we talked about in the previous shows how the tack the Fed t- had taken here is different. Yes. So, in the 1980s. When Volcker was in office, it was 50 basis points, 50 basis points, 50 basis points, 50 basis points. Right. gonna go back up to the top there. Um, thank you. And in the 70s, it was 25 basis points, 25 basis points, 25 basis points, and kept going. Mm-hmm. Just to recap how we got here March of 2022, 25 basis point increase.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: May of 2022, 50 basis point increase. And start to see the, the shape of the bell curve. Yep, exactly. June, July, September, In November, 75 basis point increase. December, 50 basis point increase. Coming back down the bell curve. February, 25 basis points. March and May, 25 basis points. June, pause.
1: So if you were one that believes the Fed has always in their mind felt like the target rate was going going to be five and a half or five and three quarters, Mm -hmm. then this is theoretically the way they're going to do it if they're following the bell curve. So what's inflation at right now? Inflation, CPI or PCE. So core, CPI. core PCE for the last four months has been around 4.7%. Okay. And that is our preferred metric. Core PCE. Right, and That's coming out again at the, en- uh, at the end of this month, I believe the 30th.
0: So traditionally speaking, when the Fed funds target rate is above inflation, yes, you have sufficient... Downward pressure to drive inflation lower than where it is today. Yep, and we'll get into what he had to say about that. Well, let's get into it. Powell expects more Fed rate hikes ahead as inflation fight, quote, has a long way to go. End quote. This from a CNBC article. Right.
1: So I went on, I've been, I tuned in because, you know, I love me some JP from the hood. He's, he's very hateable. I think it's his mannerisms. He's, ma- he's very stoic.
0: He's very stoic. Doesn't show any type of emotions, which I guess in his job is probably a good quality to have.
1: We were having this discussion before the show that I, I, just... I think that he um, he's, he's, the, he's the... <laughs> well done, sir. Thanks. Is that a beer? Energy drink. Oh, uh, okay. It was that you know that you know what that means. He's like you guys are boring. Let me get this energy drink. Yeah, it's it's my it's, I'm I'm low on gas tonight. I'm sick as hell. That's what it's. So I think that he. He hasn't surprised the market at all. Think about it. We've been able to predict every single FOMC meeting. Okay, but I take a I take a little bit of objection with that. Okay, okay, so right off the gate, he's been very
0: transparent about what he wants to do, what they're going to do, and what they're going to do as far as future rate hikes go. Yes, but he hasn't explained why he and the FOMC think this economic theory, this bell curve type increase structure, is necessary relative to the past.
1: Right. He hasn't. You're right. He hasn't explained the the need for you know, the 475 basis point increase. We've never done that in history. Why not just give us a little insight mm-hmm. as to why even the FOMC minutes like, don't discuss why they think that number is necessary. Right. Is, it, is it really? The only, the only thing that could possibly explain this, right? The only explanation is a, a real fear of hyperinflation. Which again, you had
0: worse hyperinflation in the 80s and they were very consistent, mm-hmm. very methodical, and they took their time. And it did. was a different time though. Which is fine. But then explain that. Mm-hmm. You can't tell everybody, hey, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, just deal with it. Right. You ha- you owe us, the consumer,
1: right? the courtesy well, of explaining your logic. So then it, it it also falls on the shoulders of all the reporters that are at the post-game press conferences. He, ans- he sits there and he answers the questions.
0: Yeah, and nobody's asked those questions, and, and I'll, g- I'll give you that. I don't think I've heard anybody kind of address that. But what people have asked, and what Elizabeth Warren will talk about later on, and we'll get into it, mm-hmm. is she's asked, You know, very everybody's asked, like, hey, like you did this, didn't you? Right.
1: And he refuses to accept his role in doing this. So this is a quote from JP in front of the I can't remember if it was whether in front of the House or the Senate banking committee. At both of them, they're addressing the same thing, right? Yeah. And this is the quote. In light of how far we have come in tightening policy, the uncertain lags that which monetary policy affects the economy and potential Mm. headwinds from credit tightening. The FOMC decided to maintain the federal funds rate at five and five and a quarter, and to continue to significantly reduce their security holdings. Nearly all FOMC participants expect it will be appropriate to raise interest rates somewhat further by the end of the year. Okay, so, so right there, a problem. lot of contradiction. I got a lot of problem with a lot there. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a limb and just
0: say this right now, right off the gate. I'll get to the end of, I'll get to the conclusion. We'll we can unpack it. Okay. Why are we still talking about federal interest rate increases when he knows there's lacking indicators. He openly it. acknowledges that we haven't seen everything move. Mm-hmm. Again, core concept of monetarism, which this, frankly this economy is based off of, Milton right. Friedman, is you cannot lead by your desires. you got to lead by with, with the data.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's openly acknowledging the data
1: hasn't come in that they need, they need to respond to. Exactly. And then furthermore, so to double down on the dumbassery, okay? Mm-hmm. He goes on to say... And acknowledges that the belief of housing inflation will be coming down over the course of this year is very high because of housing and shelter. Admitting that he understands what we've been talking about on the show. We've been talking about how the data from the, different, the six different panels comes in every six months. Acknowledging that by the end of the year, that portion of the report, which we've said is the largest component of CPI, right? And inflation. Roughly around thirty four percent. That's going to. I have arguments
0: about this every fucking day. People in my DMs every fucking day. That's
1: going to significantly come down, right? Because those are based off of executed contracts, and they're reported every six months. I don't know why the Fed's not talking
0: about quantitative tightening. That's what they should be focusing on now. Yeah. Stop focusing on the Fed funds rate.
2: Yeah.
1: Focus on pulling the liquidity out of the system. Yes. That's what you should be focused on. That's what you should be talking about. That should be your priority. So if you're saying that you know housing is going to come down, which is the largest component of the report, and you also saying in the same breath, you understand the lags in what the interest rate is, what they've done so far, mm-hmm. then why in the hell are you going to skip and raise in July? Wait. Just wait, wait and see.
2: Yeah,
1: I think, I think he was clearly trying to crush
0: the optimism in the markets because he's, it's like honestly saying like, Okay, we're not winning. You're right.
1: We're not winning. We're not, we're not getting it drilled into their heads. Well, it's not. It's, yeah, it's not just that. He's upset, right? So I guess by, I had a report in um, the show notes or an article, I mean, I'm sorry, from the Wall Street Journal that, that went on to say, technically, the S&P 500, by technical definition, is in a quote-unquote bull market. Yeah, no, and it's gone back and forth. Right. It's times, gone back yeah. and forth, right? And so that's got to be very aggravating for him.
0: And the FOMC members. This is the problem that I think most people have with the stock market. And, and honestly, really seasoned investors fuck this up all the time. Okay. The stock market is supposed to be logical. Okay. There's not supposed to be an emotion in it. Okay. But the fact of the matter is behavioral economics, emotions,
2: mm-hmm.
0: perspective, things like greed. Yes. Drive the market.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes you could do all the right things as a company and have your stock price go the other way. You can do
1: all the wrong things as a company and have your stock price. GameStop. Yes. GameStop is actually, I had, I had it in here. Let me see here. I think it was up 20% or so. No, sorry, 32% since the beginning of the year. Does that make sense? No. no. It makes zero sense. But that's
0: the irrationality built into the market. You cannot look at price in the markets, in the market as a whole, in the indexes and say, okay, this is something that I'm going to try to beat back down. Right. Here's what Powell's missing. Nothing you say, nothing you say is going to drive the optimism out of the market because people are saying openly with their predictions, of the market right now, mm-hmm. fuck you, pal. We don't believe you. We believe you're going to cut rates. And I, I'll never forget. I went on somebody else's podcast over a year ago. Yep. And they told me at the end of 2022, he vehemently believed that the Fed was going to cut rates. And I'm like, he's saying he's not. I think, I think it's going to go through a much higher cycle. Yeah. And if you look at the rates back then, I mean, so going back to the the chart that that we talked about in the beginning, May of 2022, June of 2022, July, September, November, October. Roughly
1: around four and a half or so. No, four and a quarter, maybe.
0: Those are all rate increases, right? And by December, the end of the year, they were still increasing 50 basis points.
2: Yeah.
0: And the optimism, you can't beat out of people. You gave them 14 years. Of the most prosperous economic period they're probably ever going to experience in their adult lifetimes. Right. Some of them only grew up knowing this, right. and you you want to try to verbalize like the the concern by oh we're going to keep the put on the pedal we're going to you know what's going to you know what's going to change the markets that lagging
1: data that you refuse to let do the job for you right. So uh, just to circle back real quick, given that this is a financial literacy podcast, I feel very literate. No, you are. But the definition of a uh, bull market is a 20% increase in a broad market Mm -hmm. index over a two-month period. Which, ironically, is also the same in the
0: opposite direction for a, quote, crash,
1: 20% down. Or a bear market. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you'll find that 20% is kind of usually your barometer for
1: great market, bad market. Yeah, yeah. Those are the terms. The only reason why I'm bringing this up now, we know. Typically speaking, when people are saying bull market like, there's a lot of optimism. If there's a bear market, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, instability.
0: Another rumor I've heard a lot online recently as it relates to all of this is I've been trying to explain to people that the Fed funds rate is the cost for banks to borrow money. And that has been passed along to deposit pricing and people have been able to demand more for deposits in this weird contagion period in the banking sector. Yes. But banks, particularly community regional banks, are going to start pulling back and saying, hey, look, we're going to cut your rates or we're going to lower your rates. We're going to hold rates. We don't care what the Fed's going to do, right? Because they can't afford it, right? Right. But what people don't understand is treasuries, the bond market impacts. The long end of the, you know, loans, loan yes. pricing, right? Right. It's index plus margin-based pricing. And none of them are Fed funds plus a margin. Right. The index is, you know, CMT, 12-month CMT, uh, 12-month uh, MTA, or, uh, you know. Or you, SOFR. Well. SOFR has been a huge one as of late. LIBOR has obviously gone away. But these indices move independent uh, of the Fed funds target rate. And they're for loans, the 10-year, the 15-year, the 30-year treasuries, when those move up, it pushes loan rates up. Right. And everybody I've talked to, even the most seasoned economists and people that I really like, refuse to believe there'll be upward pressure on mortgage rates by the end of the year. They just, they just won't accept it. And I'm like, well, how, the, how then do you get out of the yield curve inversion, which simply precedes and has preceded, where the deepest yield curve inversion is 1981? Right. How do you get out of that? And they say, well, the low end of the curve can go down. Listen up, people. Break it down. You just came out of one of the unprecedented periods of artificial interest rate deflation, bringing the low end of the curve too fucking low. Okay? the solution here, and all realtors and people in the real estate space, their their solution to affordability is low rates. Not low, not home values going down. Where they get paid off of home values, right? They get paid off the most amount of of a loan you can get. Their, their, your loan amount is what they get paid a commission off of. They get a percentage of that. The home price they get a, they get a percentage of that. So their solution to this problem is always going to be rates going down, not going up, because they want values to stay up. Because yes. if rates go up, values come down. They're inverse relationships. Yeah. And, Every single goddamn day, someone is in my DMs and they want to argue this theory. I literally posted a question from the broker's exam. I saw that the California Department talking about equilibrium theory. Okay, supply and demand is influenced by the equilibrium of price. Mm -hmm. Okay, if price is out of whack, demand goes down. And someone was like, "Okay, well, hey, you know," and multiple people actually do this. They were like, "Well, you know, price is part of demand," and I'm like, "No." (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, no. It's
0: not. No, no. It's not part of demand because you're telling me that supply and demand influence the market. And we have some data coming up, which will talk about more supply coming online and demand has come down. But mortgage rates haven't driven, driven up super high. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to happen when mortgage rates drive up higher? Values have to come down because people won't be able to afford those payments at high prices and high rates. Right. Right. It's just, it's just the natural inversion like byproduct of one another that people just don't understand because they haven't lived through it. Yeah, and it's incredibly frustrating to, to just have the same conversation over and over and over again. Yeah, I could tell. Or I'm crazy. <laughs> I could tell you really. Wor- it gets you it's just, It's so frustrating because it, I mean it, it's even on the exam, and so many people want to, to find a way to bastardize the answer, mm-hmm. and it's like, look, dude, like it's a multiple choice and question.
1: This is the right answer, and, like it or not. And it's very important to understand. I you know our realtor friends. I would hope they know this there's a lot to do but for everybody else mortgage rates will not come down just because the fed funds rate comes down that's not Mm -hmm. how that's not how it's controlled no right no
0: and i wouldn't expect it to i i think what's going to happen here and this is a real trip but i think it's what's going to happen is right now net interest margin the profitability for banks which is where the primary money for our ecosystem comes from right yes it all comes from banks. Your deposits get lent back out, and you can love it or hate the fractional banking system, but it is what it is, okay? Mm-hmm. That's where most of the money getting deployed comes from, banks. Yes. Banks have been strained with net interest margin. They're making mm-hmm. less money, less profits. The executives there are making less bonuses. The mm-hmm. sales teams there are making less money on commissions. So these people are going to find a way to get more money over time. Yes. Which means higher mortgage rates and lower deposit rates. Gotta,
1: and, they're about to, and, these, and these banks... Are, gonna go, are going through a period right now and will continue to go through a period for you know the near future mm-hmm. where their uh, net profit margins are substantially lower, if at all. Okay? Yeah, if they're not losing money. If but they're not losing money. This right? is a precursor for what they're going to do next to resolve the problem for themselves. And this is why we've always said on the show, the pain for the consumer comes after the Fed is done, mm-hmm. right? Also, imagine this. If a bank were to make a loan today for a multitude of reasons, There's a problem there. The Fed could continue to raise rates like we projected to do, where now that loan isn't as good as the one that they could make a month or two months from now, right? That's number one. Number two, for right now, it's uncertain how long banks are going to have to continue to hold these deposit rates. If the Fed continues to raise rates, and you make a loan now, and you have to raise your deposit rates again in the future at a for a second run of Contagion. And net interest profit margin is now completely gone. I don't think there's going to be a second run of Contagion. I hope
0: not. I really, I really don't. I'm just I saying,
1: right? but, but it was hard to believe the first time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, it's, it's kind of an unprecedented period of time. Let's get into Elizabeth Warren's comment. I've, I've been kind of foaming at the mouth here, this again, because I like it. So set yeah. the context here. It's from Bloomberg Business.
1: Mm-hmm. You were ultimately responsible for the... What, go, ahead, go ahead. I, w- I was just going to say that um, I know that he talked about inflation on at the House and Senate Banking Committee but he was mainly getting grilled on bank regulations cuz the conversation yep. was, was coming up that they was uh the Fed was going to require banks to have an additional uh capital 20% capital, capital. and that was just a number being thrown around that w- it wasn't finalized which look you know again I'm not
0: I'm not opposed to banks requiring to hold more capital and all but I don't think it solves these problems so I think people are like, oh, Chris, you're a banker. You don't want to do that because it means less. No, no, no. It hasn't with me being a banker on profits. I don't think it solves the problem. It doesn't solve Holding the problem. more deposits on the balance sheet mm-hmm. to, for a contagion run. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's look at why the contagion run happened in the first place. Okay. You had people out there like Peter Thiel scaring the market using his social media presence. Mm-hmm. That should be illegal. Right yeah. there. Should you stop short selling on bank stocks? Part of me says yes. Part of me says no. I generally like an idea of a free market and a free economy and right. intervention like that seems a little artificial
1: and to your point about peter thiel why that why that should be illegal is for the same reason why you can't just run into a movie theater and yell fire
0: yeah there there are consequences for your action right
1: if there isn't a fire obviously.
0: yeah well even if there is a fire you know yeah uh, I, know. I was gonna make a titanic joke i'm glad i didn't wow i restrained myself good job non-villain yeah. I, I did restrain myself i thought it's insensitive yeah good man <laughs> I'm just stunned at the lack of safety protocols that are there. So, yeah, it, it, it's, I don't mean to make light of it, but it's just, it's shocking. Yeah. So, anyway, Elizabeth Warren, uh, you were ultimately responsible for the team of Fed supervisors who fell down on the job. Senator Elizabeth Warren pressures the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell on the SVB and First Republic Bank failures during his semi annual monetary policy report to the State Banking Committee. Now, I don't envy his position, and the comments here largely favor Jerome Powell. But I would say most people don't understand kind of the other nuances that we'll get into right. after we hear Elizabeth Warren give uh,
1: Jerome Powell a little taste of her own medicine. I think the kids like to call it the business.
0: Yeah, I was going to make a Barney reference because she's wearing purple.
1: Yeah, and the comments are in favor of JP because
0: that would be a very big disservice to
2: Barney. Well, not a lot of people like her.
0: They don't like her, and he's, he seems like he's getting bullied a little bit here. Yeah, And it's true, He is. but he slips up and says something stupid.
4: <laughs> Arun, let's play stupid.
6: <laughs> responsibility for your role in these bank failures?
4: I think we learned some lessons from the from the bank failures and I the main responsibility I take is to learn the right lessons from this and to uh undertake to do address them so we don't have a situation like this where we had unexpectedly a, a large bank fail. And uh, spread contagion into the banking system. That's not supposed to happen, and and we need to take appropriate steps to make sure it doesn't happen again. So
6: I, I just want to make sure I understand what you mean when you say you take responsibility. You take responsibility for your actions that led to the failures of these banks.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's. I think the question of what happened, uh, super, supervision was was at fault. That's both at the board and at, at the reserve. And
6: banks. are you ultimately responsible for those supervisors? Are you Actually, under the,
4: under the law, the vice chair for supervision has Okay, so you take no authority. responsibility on I didn't on say it. that.
6: Well, that's what I'm trying to ask. That's I'm trying to I understand said. what you take responsibility for. I take
4: responsibility for addressing the situation appropriately. That's, that's talking about that's going forward. Focus. That's my focus. It's yeah. going forward.
6: Yeah, well, that kind of sounds like not taking responsibility for what you've done in the past. You weakened the rules in multiple ways. You reduced capital requirements. You weakened liquidity risk management. You skipped out on using enhanced stress testing, and you were ultimately responsible for the team of Fed supervisors who fell down on the job.
1: You know what he needs, right? A hug? No, he needs like one of those uh, White House press secretaries to speak for him from now on. He's uh-huh. like, I'm not dealing with this shit no more. Miss Warren, Mr. Powell
0: uh, rejects your comment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: huh, I'll have to check with uh, Mr. Jerome
0: Powell. And then you see him whisper to him. Um, Ms. Warren, uh, Mr. Powell says, fuck you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I could do that for him. <laughs>
0: yeah. So she's largely wrong on yeah. a lot of what she's saying here. And she's trying to put pressure on him, but there is some merit to what she's saying. He says he like, he's taking responsibility for taking the appropriate action moving forward. Addressing. Right? Ad- addressing. So here's what I'm saying. Okay, you're taking an unprecedented path to get here with the the methodology you and the FOMC have taken. I keep saying you, but it's the FOMC. Mm-hmm. But you haven't explained it, so you have to expect a little bit of people going, "Why the fuck are we
1: doing it this way? Why are we in such a hurry?" I agree. Okay, I agree. That's
0: a rational thing. That's just what
1: people ask. Several of the banks that did end up collapsing were well-run banks, right? Well, then again, we could be bankers and have a bias, but I I think. First Republic, more than most, was a well-run bank. They were a well-run bank, and they may have had concentrations to some interest rate-sensitive markets, like, for instance, venture capital, right? Yeah. So that could be part of the reason. So maybe they they were a little too heavily concentrated. We don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't in their books to, to know. But for Jerome Powell, I'm 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 actually shocked he didn't say, "Well, uh, we still have economic growth, jobs are still at all-time high." Like he, had, he had a lot of data points that he could have pointed to off the top of his head to be like... Because if he got in that war,
0: she could have gone straight for the throat, and she didn't. I'm actually surprised she didn't. Tell me why. He tried to point to... He said, under the law, there is a different supervisor for bank regulation, but that report's up to him. Hmm. But he's saying under the law, they have sole. There's supposed to be a separation of church and state so we can you know, take care of monetary policy. Yes. But he knew so here's the big disconnect here's the the big behind the scenes action that no one has explained and maybe one day we'll get an answer to and i'm fascinated to see or hear what that might be but the fed his regulatory body Mm -hmm. okay all those things that she said that he weighed that that wouldn't have stopped silicon valley bank they they manipulated their balance sheet to stay where they were i'm not saying that's his fault but what i am saying his fault is you, they, you make these banks stress the 4% interest rate increases by the Fed funds target rate. That's your metric for them to stress in a worst case event scenario that rates move up in an unprecedented level in a single year. Yes. That has been the metric that you, the Fed, the regulator, your arm of your agency that you just acknowledged. Mm-hmm. That you knew that's where banks stress in a single year. Yes. Okay. Now, during Paul Volcker's period, we had 50 basis points, 50 basis points, 50 basis points. We raised interest rates 10%. Right. That happened essentially over two years. Right. Okay? But there's no reason why we had to go at the cadence that we went to an unprecedented series of back-to-back four times 75 so, base point so increases. let me ask
1: you. Let me ask you this, though. Would you say that Paul Volcker handled it appropriately?
0: I would say it's easy to look back and say Paul Volcker's right, Jerome Powell's wrong. We might look back and say Jerome Powell did something right. But what I'm saying is You knew you were going beyond the stress thresholds of financial institutions. Those stress numbers that might just sound like, oh, these banks shouldn't, you know, have all this. Look, you know that everybody's going to try to maximize their profitability. You knew they get constant annual updates and quarterly updates on all these banking institutions. He knew what this type of cadence of interest rate increases was going to do to the banking sector. He knew.
1: Right. Part of his job is bank regulation. Right. But the one thing that he has said and that he has maintained up until now is you don't like surprising the markets he actually said it at the senate But you Community did surprise Bank. the markets you took an unprecedented
0: path without telling us in advance I know, that how,
1: we're going to do it this way because of how far, X. how far in advance yes I agree but we have been able to accurately predict each each one but it, you yeah, you, but can't, move one, you each, can't move balance sheets you can't move balance sheets
0: you can't move a business if he if he told the markets hey look we're we're targeting this mm-hmm. fed funds terminal rate by this time right or we expect we're going to have to go here, but we're going to do it a different tact. We're going to go, we're going to slow ease our way into hyper aggressive Fed, Fed interest rate increases. Right, hold it for you know several, and then try to come back down slowly over time. Yes, he could. That's, he could have said the exact same thing, but instead he's chosen to say we're going to hold rates for a prolonged period of time. Why not tell us why but, you're raising rates? But hold on, wait a
1: minute, wait. The the summary of economic projections hmm. did list the Fed terminal rate at five point one to five point four percent. I'd like to go back and see how long ago, but I know for a fact, at least six months ago. No, it did. But here's the
0: thing. You can get there with 50 basis points, 50 basis points, 50 basis point increases. But
1: why are you doing it this way? Because Okay, well, let me. So when Volcker did it, it caused a double dip recession. Yeah. I'm sure at the time, a lot of people were like, fuck you, dude. Double dip recession. This is crazy. But during Volcker's era, interest rates got to 20%. Right. So. And we, hyperinflation wasn't something they were fighting the concept of. They actually had hyperinflation. Yeah, and debt-to-GDP ratio was significantly less, so maybe they could have afforded that. Then tell the American public that. Yeah.
0: Be forthcoming. We, we are afraid of what Volcker went through. Or if not the,
1: as, if not the American public, definitely the interest rate-sensitive businesses. I mean, he, you have direct access to the banks. They're not, they're not concerned.
0: There's a war going on with regulators right now. Oh. The Fed and the FDIC have completely divergent agendas. They're at odds. The Fed doesn't want any banks to fail. The FDIC doesn't want to see depositors lose any money. And those two are very competing interests.
1: Yeah, obviously. Well, the F- the FDIC, we've talked about I think their their fund to that that they have to save, you know, the depositors should banks go down, could probably only withstand another, you know, 10 banks collapsing. Right. They have like 120 some billion dollars, 130 billion. I don't know, somewhere around there. And there are forty seven hundred plus banks. In so the and ten banks is nothing. Yeah, and nothing. not all of them are public. And f- I think there's like forty banks or so that are on their like watch list. Thirty is what I heard. Thirty or so. Yeah. Okay, so if, if those thirty go down, no, no, those thirty, if half of them go down, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Half of them go down. If ten of them go down. That's One third. I'm, that's what I'm saying. So like, yeah, the FDIC obviously is going to try to do everything they can to make sure that 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 doesn't happen. So them, the Fed, and the FDIC being at odds. And that was something, actually, that I was really shocked by when I first got into banking. What? That these federal agencies don't communicate with one another. They're supposed to. That's It's absolutely crazy to me. Can I give you a great example? Uh, I have a good example, too. How, what, what when got? I first became aware of it. What do you got? When I was spreading tax returns and looking at somebody's cash flow, mm. right? And um, they have, let's say, like, for instance, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned, I underwrote a gentleman that was making a roughly around $20 million a year rental income. Yeah. And he was paying $0 in taxes.
2: Right? Writing
1: off all of his interest and depreciation. Yeah. Writing off all of his interest and depreciation.
2: Completely
1: legal. Tax code was written for him. Mm-hmm. Right? But I know looking at some of the properties, you're like, man, some of these expenses are a little inflated. Yeah. And then like the fact that We have regulators come in and they could easily report that to another federal agency like the IRS, but they don't. No. They traditionally only report suspicious activity reports
0: or SARS. Yes. But those are for, I would call more like concerning things. So
1: that was something that was really eye-opening to me. I was like, Mm -hmm. this is absolutely crazy.
0: The Fed, the FDIC, the SEC, they
1: see these things. Yeah, I was like, I know that if I'm catching never this. It never gets the IRS. If I'm catching this as a novice, like, this is, I know when. Well, keep in mind, too, the the government
0: sector is so underfunded. Mm-hmm. They don't even have the people to handle all these referrals, even if they got them. I know. And we've talked about them before, too. So, what was your
1: example? Yours is better. Was it? Okay.
0: Yeah. Shall we go on to jobless claims?
1: Jobless claims.
0: Let's do it. Or do you want to go higher interest rates hit home prices again?
1: That one's going to be uh pretty long. Let's go quickly into jobless claims because it dovetails back.
2: It does. See? Yeah, dovetails. Dovetails. He does cry. Mm 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 mm. Always oh, getting his he's getting his riz back. <laughs> no, I'm
3: not. I'm sick
1: <laughs> sick as a dog, but I can always get up for Prince. So the jobless claims report is generally speaking viewed as a leading indicator. Okay. And it's an important one yeah. we, that we, we cite on the show uh, all the time.
2: Cite the article.
1: Huh? Cite the article. U.S. jobless claims hold at a highest level since October 2021. This from Bloomberg. Is that your Chris impression? That was. You were good.
2: Was it? Yeah, I was good.
0: I like that. Why? What well, we made it so good? I just felt like you, you know a little more authoritative with the delivery. That's oh, good. Yeah? Yeah, very sort of. Ra- I felt like I had Radio Man voice. Well, you're supposed to. You are
1: on the equivalent of modern day radio. I I actually really despise those guys. Like That's not your voice, dude. Just talk normal. Uh, No, Casey Kasem always sounded like that. I don't even know who that is. Stop it. Casey Kasem? Odin, do you know? Casey Kasem had the... The No, I don't. What the shit? You're old, dude. I'll tell you, the the only radio voices I know are Ryan Seacrest, Howard Stern, and Chick Hearn. Kamel Amin
0: Casey Kasem. 1932 to 2014 was an American disc jockey actor and radio personality who created and hosted several radio countdown programs, notably American Top 40. He was the first actor to voice Norville Shaggy Rogers in the Scooby-Doo franchise and Dick Grayson Robin in Super, um, in Super Friends 1973. If you hear his voice... Mm-hmm. Think I'd recognize it?
1: Oh, without a question of doubt. Oh, he, I, he, I lied. I also know, I know Big Boy. What? Huh? Big Boy in the Neighborhood. I-106. What does that have to do with this? I'm just saying I lied. I said I knew only three. That was the fourth one.
0: Uh, big big boy's just... been around since he was big.
1: Yeah, now he's not so big.
0: Now he's not so big. Yeah, I remember yeah, I remember him too. But Casey Kasem was the OG. He was the original disc jockey that
1: made it out. I really? Was... This is like... Hey, Google... Um, like, is that like Ryan Seacrest's like, uh, Mount Rushmore of disc jockeys? No, I mean,
0: he was purely a radio guy, so it's a little bit different. But around, go
1: to YouTube and, and just search his name, and it, I want you to hear his voice. This fucking guy, Ryan Seacrest, he's got so many fucking jobs. And you know what I heard? He's gonna do. Mm. He's gonna take over Wheel of Fortune. Is he really? <laughs> That's what I heard. I'm like, dude, you don't got enough jobs. There's a lot of places to be. Come on, man, share the wealth. YouTube, brother, YouTube. That was me trying to kill time. There for you o- go. That was me trying to kill time for Odin. All right, there you go. Play that bad boy.
2: From Hollywood, it's America's Top 10 with Casey Kasem, uh, the only
3: weekly countdown of the top hits on Billboard's Pop Chart. You'll see the hottest videos in the land. Along with extra reviews of is the this top 30 soul, album This John. isn't him. Watch yeah. Special inside
1: looks at the world of pop Go ahead, give me some Casey. There he is. And whose lead singer has a musical connection with the lead singer of Heart? Mike Reno nope. is the lead singer. I feel of like I've seen him make a cameo, a cameo in a movie. Was he in Happy Gilmore? Two years ago. All right, well, close this out. Yeah. <clears throat> this didn't slap the way you were hoping it would slap. No, man. It brought back a lot of childhood memories for me. It slapped the hell. I mean, first of all, when did we start using slap on the show? Dude, well, somebody, one of our one of our listeners commented using slap. I was like, oh, that's the, I had to look it up. I was like, let me know. I'm was sure. like, oh, this slaps? Yeah, this slaps. I was like, oh, what? And I, I Googled, you know, Urban Dictionary. I said, like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what does this slap mean? And I was like, oh, oh okay. One, yeah. oh, you knew that one? I knew that one.
0: How do you know? I also, I'm also a big fan of Let Me Cook. Oh, I love oh, let him cook.
2: No, well, let me cook. Not you. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Let let well, I'll let you cook right here. So this uh US jobless claims, back to that. Why it's such an uh important uh metric and a leading indicator um in this space and, or in the economy given this time is uh, a couple of key components. It gives people a snapshot of the current state of the labor market. Right? So right now, uh we have 264,000 claims. These are new New claims, right? And just to give everyone some perspective, pre-pandemic levels were between 200 to 250,000. So not a whole lot of change there. If anything, makes the Fed feel good, it makes them feel like there's still more room to operate. Not good for all of us, right? They want to see this number go up. If they see this number go up, maybe they take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit, okay? The other thing that it does, it provides insight into economic health right? Higher numbers of jobless claims means people, consumer sentiment is going to start to come down. People are going to be more fearful. People are going to maybe decide to save a little bit more. So this number that came out from this report wasn't very helpful in the Fed's mission. Well, there's a lot of
0: numbers that come out that haven't really, the housing numbers that have come out recently haven't been too good. Actually, the stuff that came out recently has been the opposite way, which is even better. Yeah. So higher interest rates hit home prices again, according to the Wall Street Journal. I'll read a couple uh, paragraphs here. I think this is really good data. U.S. existing home prices posted their biggest year-over-year decline in more than eleven years mm-hmm. last month, as rising interest rates continued to weigh on the housing market. And right. we, like we referenced at the top of the show, there was just an article a month ago where people in the real estate business were celebrating mm-hmm. the end of price declines as home values had crept back up incrementally over a two-month period. Right. it's the end i think it was february right
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and we're like don't do that don't don't fall victim to this crazy ass logic more is coming and here you are you know the largest year over year decline in more than 11 years so
1: remember this is the existing home prices yeah not sales so these report you gotta i think can get lost in some of the numbers that i'm gonna be reading off right after this the way, I thought you just said it was three. No, 5%. but I
0: think those numbers actually feed into this pretty well because even though the sales are increasing, they're increasing at uh, such an incrementally slow pace that mm-hmm. it's, it's not keeping up. And I'll explain a little more here. Yep. The national median existing home price fell 3.1% in May from a year earlier to $396,100, mm-hmm. the largest drop since December of 2011. The National Association of Realtors said on Thursday, Lawrence Yoon picking me again in the ding-ding. Mm-hmm. existing home sales which make up most of the housing market increased 0.2% that's the data that site is referencing to at least in a truncated format in May from the prior month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.3 million right. the national association of realtors said Thursday once again may sales fell
1: 20.4% from a year earlier right that's a big drop that is a big drop in January that that number though was 37% now, before you go on,
0: there's two charts.
1: Click that first one there, Ron. Thank you very much. That was very timely of you. Thank you, sir. This
0: is a chart of U.S. median existing home price change from a year earlier. Mm-hmm. And you can see the trajectory is very palpable, even though it just recently went negative. You can see the trend downward had been building for quite some time.
1: And worth noting that this was on the tail end of the hottest season of the year.
0: Yes. So that incremental increase you saw was really the hottest season of the year. So, just peaking up above right. the losses.
1: So when it would if if it were to get seasonally adjusted, I feel like it'd be more flattened out.
0: Maybe. But yeah.
1: this is what it is. Let's take a look at the other chart. The other chart to me is much more interesting. Mm-hmm. This one
0: is U.S. existing home sales by region. Yes. So one of the things that i found to be interesting is that typically speaking, recessionary economies start on the coasts and work their way into the Midwest. The Midwest has a Massive population, but their increases are, and declines in home value generally aren't as big as they are on the coasts right and you'll tend to see that kind of transition but this particular recessionary economy has been a little bit different, or at least if we'll call it a recession one day, because the west coast have been so dramatically impacted. I was very surprised to see that u s existing home sales by region in the west and the northeast were actually both very, very low compared to the south and midwest, and I expected the south and midwest to be high mm mm-hmm. So, the volume of sales in the West and in the Northeast have come down, you know, slightly. And you've seen the South and Midwest really prop up the numbers, as you're seeing here. Because really, if you look at the West, going all the way back to May of 2022, it's only decreased a small amount. If you look at the Northeast, it's only decreased a small amount. But the South, the South has, and the Midwest have propped up markets. Mm -hmm. So, as this financial impact and consumer discretionary spending pulls back and it starts to compress on the Midwest of of, of the United States and the South, you're going to start to see the impacts of recession being felt, particularly as it relates to real estate values. Oh, yeah. This is your your best canary in the coal mine, in my mind.
1: This right here, not commercial office space.
0: No, because I think commercial office space can be impacted without really impacting single family residences, but this certainly can impact single family residences. Hmm. If the number of transactions drop off because affordability is an issue and people are trying to sell their home because they need money because they have high debt, right? They're going to have to lower their price to get more. I'm
1: thinking about like high metropolitan areas that have, you know, some some big names like we referenced San Francisco, yeah. right? Or even like downtown L.A. Some of these, you know, businesses that are in there that are stepping away, big time, yeah. big time companies, huge problems. Those are anchors, yeah, right? And that's how all the foot traffic goes it, there, right?
0: If so, Whole Foods leaves. And people aren't coming to buy their groceries there. Your foot traffic's gone,
1: right? Who's going to want to live there if there's not a grocery store right down the street? Well, it'd be a pain in the ass to, to drive however far away to get your groceries and bring it in, right? So that's going to bring it down. A lot of people get delivered though. So, a lot of people do get it delivered. We actually, we actually just started that. Yeah,
0: Joanna's been doing it for a
1: while. It's it's actually it's not it's it was actually only like ten dollars more for our groceries. Yeah. It saves you a lot of time. It makes complete sense when you're looking to uh, save save some time. Well, plus you get
0: kids in the car and that whole thing on top of that, it, it just winds up being a lot of work.
1: It does become a lot of work, but it's also a, a really cool learning experience for the guys. Our kids love to go grocery shopping. Yeah. I personally love going one on one grocery shopping with my daughter. My uh, son
0: Carter, he loves cooking, so he has a little cooking thing in, in, in his room, a like uh, little yeah. like
1: kitchen. Oh, uh, nice!
0: And every time we go to Trader Joe's, he wants a little cart.
1: Yeah, a little yeah. Little cart so we can pull up his own cart. Yeah, I love. They love some Trader Joe's too, but. The fear in the housing market, right, is as home prices go up and the rates continue to stay high, landlords and owners who are paying these higher amounts are going to be passing these on to their renters and their yeah. tenants. So that could have an effect on inflation because we
0: know that, but it won't be enough to move to the target rates of two percent. There's not ourselves. not enough uh, transactions. You need to have yeah, you need to have real estate values decline. It's, it's just the only. Way. Yes. And, I mean, effectively, Jerome Powell's already said that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been about as transparent as he can be about that topic, at least recently. Yeah. Which is unusual for him. Billy's
1: really, not explaining shit. Unusual for him. Right. I was mentioning the U.S. office spaces. So, this from uh, Bloomberg. U.S. office owners get dire warning. Rebound unlikely before 2040. Your segue game is a little off there. Are you okay? What's going oh, on? No, I, I mentioned it. We, you want to talk about it? We. Listen, I've been, you're amongst friends. I've been doing a very good job as the as the quote-unquote villain of the show at not calling you out for your riz tonight. Don't call me out, dude.
0: Okay, well, I didn't want to have to go here, but you still have something between your teeth.
1: <laughs> I left that there for you as a fuck you. <laughs> no, it's, it's
0: there, and I, I've been looking at it for a while. Yeah,
1: I know. I tried to get it out when I was off camera, but. Yeah. let me help you out? No. we know Rock. i get up my teeth. Get up, get up. <laughs> no, no, I'll okay. suck it <laughs> out.
2: Oh, yeah. Come on, Come man. On.
1: Just They just all dropped off. No, they didn't. They all, oh, they transferred over to YouTube to see.
2: There you go. Yeah. Is he going to do it? I
1: guess <laughs> you'll never know. You'll never, ever know. So, yeah. They're saying that avail- available space for lease in places like San Francisco and Atlanta right now is upwards of 30%. Yeah. and For, I, off, for office space. For office space. Yeah. I only see that number getting higher. Yeah, that's probably true. You seem very... Um, Melancholy about it? Yeah, like you don't care.
0: No, I care, but... I don't think the consumer has appreciated how dire the economy is yet. And stuff like this, which should scare them. I don't think they understand. I think for most consumers, the only way to shake them up mm-hmm. is for them to go, wait, my home value is worth how much now?
1: I don't. But we, we've talked about it. It's, it's never, it's not going to come down enough. First of all, it's not going to come down enough to where you're going to lose all the gains that you've received since, since the pandemic. No, but, it doesn't need to. And second of all, it doesn't matter if you weren't planning on selling anyways. It's just it's on it's on paper. You haven't realized it yet. So why do you care? Because that's what Silicon Valley Bank said. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. the message that we've been promoting on the show since day one.
0: No, I get it. But Silicon Valley Bank said it's on paper. What do we care? <laughs> We're not taking that loss until we actually sell it. Well,
1: that was that was your boy David Solomon's fault. Well, huh? Yeah, he was DJing. Yeah, he was DJing, and he was telling he was trying to mix in some Drake. Right? Does he play Drake? Is he is he No, he's one of my, <laughs> my, the, the number one song I heard him mix in was like a Whitney Houston song. So you did go listen to his DJ? I did, yeah. of course I did. I had to validate this fact checking for the show research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm 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 expensing that part of our R and D uh research and development. I'll take it out of your salary. Okay. Thank you, sir.
0: Short bets on U.S. stocks hit $1 trillion, the most since April of 2022, according to Bloomberg. Mm. Wagers have paper losses of about $101 billion in 2023.
1: We talked about this earlier, that the S&P has experienced somewhat of a bull market. And people, there's a lot of investors out there that are like, no way, man, this ain't going to last. So they're shorting a bunch of stocks. Yes, right. right. Yeah. So that that's where this is. That's where this is coming because from.
0: we're going into in earnings recession, kids. Mm. Companies are gonna make less money, and when they make less money, their stock value goes down. And despite all that, people are betting on you going down, driving your price down before they actually go down because of your earnings.
1: Right? It's fucked up. The problem here too is what happens with these guys that are shorting these stocks if the stocks don't come down soon enough then what they have to do is ultimately buy back their stocks and then yeah. it, it ultimately only pushes it higher. Yeah. So it like fucks the system more.
0: I mean it's, it's one of many ways. What did you just pull up here? The S&P know, broke. Mm. Multiple
1: resistance to the upside in June. Multiple yeah. breakouts. And a lot of this is on the backs of uh, these AI companies. Like Tesla shot up.
0: Oh, look, I, I think there's a lot of value in AI, but I think this public sentiment of like everything's got to be AI now is just it's it's too much. It's it's going too far. It's almost like the NFT.
2: Mm.
0: You do recognize that there is value there. Oh, tremendous amount of value. Mm-hmm. But not everything that uses AI is going to be sexy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you just not everything out there is going to be a winner. So well, take it with a grain of salt. Now, where I want to see AI do, I want to see AI as take out call center. I
2: want to see
1: AI run a call center. Really? Yeah. I hate dealing with that automated service. Shit yeah, around. but not AI. AI would be different, right? You would, you would think so.
2: Uh, I think,
0: I
1: think there's a, I think there's a path forward that, that could be a real thing.
0: Okay. You know, will
1: yeah. it be good? Not at first. No, I, mean, I, I, I'm that guy degenerate. That's just hitting zero. I'm just give me to the fucking operator. What if you called up and said, like you called up,
0: um, what's it, what's a great place that has a, a goalie. Me, service ATT. ATT, terrible. What about like DMV? Okay. What if you call up and be like, Hey, uh, I want to know if my fees are, are they passed due? Yes, your fees are passed due, blah, 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 Here you go. I mean, what if you could just get answers that quickly when you call places now? Mm. Or better still, you plug AI into a chat bot. I just log on now. I mean, we were 2023,
1: log on to your account.
0: Right? But let's say you log on to a chat bot and now you can do it with a chat bot that's just very articulate and very, you don't even know if you're talking to a human or not. Yeah. It's effectively what chat GPT is, right?
1: Yeah. They're gonna have to, what they're really gonna have to do, I I feel like, is find a way to make people feel like interacting with an AI chatbot is secure. That's gonna be, I think, the the most challenging part. No, I get that, but I gotta be honest.
0: I think people are gonna be so immersed in augmented reality porn next to Apple that they're not gonna even care. You really think
1: so?
2: Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i saw avatars first come out for like instagram and everybody else like and now instagram will sell you clothes for your avatar oh yeah that's right so you can buy clothes and that's all leading up to the augmented reality thing right where you're buying like clothes for your avatar
1: yeah if you want to you want to look cool in the real world why not look cool in metaverse
0: (laughs) and you know porn always leads the way which is sad but you know where there's a market people try to fill it yeah and you know that's how dvds got so big and vhs got so big and that's how Streaming services and online, like you know, web streaming, got so big. And right, look, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if some of these people could literally create their own experience by curating what they wanted their person to look like? Mm-hmm. It's scary. And then I think, have you seen the, the the stuff that came out about gamers? Gamers that wear headsets too much. This is you, crazy. Yeah, you, you seen it? Yeah. They wear headsets too much because they're constantly on Twitch streaming? It's just shaping their heads. They've got a dent in the top of their head from, from the, the
1: It's top not. Of head. It's not just that. I remember um, a wife was telling us that like there's an actual term now for people like having uh, you know, neck syndrome for mm-hmm. leaning forward, looking down, or the way they hold their phones like this. <laughs> their pinky starts to get deformed. Mine, mine is. Got a little initial on my pinky right there. Yeah, you use this as what? A little placeholder? My hands are so big. Really? I just do this.
0: So now you're better than me,
2: I mean, things well
0: it's, it's go changing. Without saying
1: humans are changing,
0: yeah, humans are changing man, and it, it's a it's a scary thing to think that we could as a species look different. Did you pull it up, yeah, there you go what? So look, look at these guys' heads, and no. the sad part is is like so this started with one one streamer shaving his head, and when he shaved his head live because he was a streamer, right he felt the he dent. felt the dent and was freaked out by it, and then other streamers. Come on, man. Started Wait. shaving their head to see it too.
1: Wait a minute. <clears throat> Dude, you shampoo your hair. He couldn't have, that doesn't happen overnight. They didn't. Well, some of them
0: have very subtle, and some of them have really big ones, but keep in mind, these guys are, are in front of a screen nine <laughs> times out of a day.
1: <laughs> so the name of this website is Unilad. I read that as
2: Unlaid. Oh. <sighs> Arun? You want to say it or shall I? Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's well right, cause all right. Because all you knows, he's like I'm about to edit this thing. Yeah. This and I,
0: I, I will apologize again. I, have, my energy levels are low. I'm feeling terrible. I, I am sorry. This is not the best show we've done in the world.
1: And I mean, you go rate the show. Leave us a comment over on YouTube. Yeah. And that was,
0: was a good segue. Nice
1: well, job. <laughs>
0: oh, I can't do it anymore. All right, bye.
1: <laughs> good night, everybody. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts.